basically God has given us power over money. But the way his system works is in your giving. It's in the giving end of it, the sowing of seed is what grows your money and takes you a little bit out of the world system. And so I don't say that just to say you've got to fill our offering baskets, but at the same time, if the Lord lays it on you, our ministry is going somewhere. We have a bigger vision than Lead or South Dakota or whatever then that's not a vision we've thought up, it's a vision that's been planted in us a long time ago. And as we go along, you know, I'll probably talk more about it, but Sandy and I have been like racehorses in a gate for the last 15 years because we've known the vision that's coming. And, and it's for all of us that we've talked about gifts and callings, we've talked about a lot of different things, but there's things planted in each one of our hearts. And those things planted are things God wants because we're his children. And he's, he's, he's really wanting his people to rise up and go do what they're called to do. No matter how big or small it is, it doesn't matter about that. It matters what he's put in your heart. We'll talk about that a little more today as far as how we get there. But anyway, I do welcome you here and, and just oh, thankful uh, for what a day it is. So let's go before the Lord. Lord, we're thank you. we thank you, Lord. We are before you. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us, Father. And you're... When you say things, Father, that's the way it is. That's concrete. That's established. It's established in the earth. When we become uh, children of yours through the blood of Jesus Christ, you've made a commitment to us. You'd never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, we thank you for that. But we are also thank you and set our faith that the Holy Spirit will be here to minister to each one of us individually. And 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 you'll take what, things that, that you've you've put in my heart, Lord, and you've put it as an investment into your people to go to the dimensions, Lord, of freedom that they need in their hearts and also the inspiration and the motivation to go ahead and step up and, and the boldness and the confidence that you want them to have in you, that when you tell them something or you say something into your word, we can grab that when we have a witness of it, Lord, and that's power. That's a power that you put in us to go forward. So thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk about a couple things today. I've talked a lot about the Garden of Eden in terms of power last Sunday. If you were here or heard the podcast, I recommend if you haven't heard the podcast on last Sunday, I'd recommend it more than once because there's another aspect of the garden. We've talked about guarding the garden, talked about the garden in your life to guard it, but also there's a garden that he was called to cultivate. Cultivating means you plant things in it. You plant it, you sow it. Uh, we're mostly people that come from an agricultural background. We understand you don't grow a crop unless you sow some seed in it. There's never been a farmer got rich by having the seed in the bend and a fertile soil out there and just somehow the seed jump out of that that bin into the ground and create this awesome crop. It's never happened in, that I know of. Anybody know of anything like that? No, of course not. Well, in our case, our, our bin, our seed bin is right here. The Word of God is our seed. I'll talk about it and I'll prove it. But this is our seed bin. 
It doesn't jump out of this book into your life and change your life without you doing something to it, with it. But once you start doing something with it, there's an amazing transformation that takes place in your life. And we'll talk about that. That kind of leads me. Let's, let's uh, take one little detour here to Romans 12. If you have your Bible, Romans 12. If you don't have your Bible, shame on you. I'm smiling. There's, there's a lot of material here. We'll not get through it all today, but we'll get enough to, to, to brush it. And it says in Romans 12, if you're all there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. As I wrote a note here, a decisive dedication of your bodies, which is your reasonable service. And it's kind of interesting because Paul is just making that statement and then he's leaving it alone. Because God is more concerned about this next part. In verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, years and years ago, I was hearing people talk about this, and they talk about, well, maybe I'm in the good will of God, or maybe I'm in the acceptable, or maybe I'm in the perfect, and I won't argue with where they came from, because they may have a different foundation, but that always bothered me, because I'm thinking of God, I thought about what he's invested in my life, everything was pretty, pretty much cut and dried with his word and with things that he wanted, his will. He doesn't want you liking healing. He doesn't want you sort of healed or kind of good, you know, good, good kind of... I just couldn't evaluate in my own mind what this meant. Well, I did a little study over a few years, and I found out, really, those are synonyms. If it's perfect with God, it's good. If it's good with God, it's, it's perfect. If it's acceptable, it's, it follows His perfect will. Now, if you have another teaching that supports something else, that's fine. I won't browbeat anybody about it. But it just seemed like when we begin to renew our minds, there's a transformation that comes into us that develops our mind to think like He thinks. That's what He wants. Why does He want that? Well, because as we come up through our life growing up in the world, we're born into a, a, a situation, you know, and into the world, and we learn to think like the world thinks. But if you uh, back up here to Romans 8, 7, there's a statement here in verse 7, just jumping that one, it's not out of context. Just, just because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the laws of God, neither can be. Anyway, I'm sorry, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What's a carnal mind? That's the kind we develop in the world thinking. Now, it certainly gave us minds to operate with, and, you know, to, to operate with. We don't, uh, we know we have to have reasoning and all those things but it but the enmity means that the carnal mind can absolutely absolutely have a what do I want to say a deafening effect on the spirit of God on the word of God so somehow we have to learn to think like God does if we want to prosper in this life move on step into our callings step into a prosperous life of whatever level that may mean to you 
there's there's a place where we have to do that now let's go back here to Genesis let's go back to that Genesis 2 and that 215 then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and, and uh, to tend and keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in that day you eat it eat of it you shall surely die now throughout the the years of some study uh, it appeared to me that that word die has a double die 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 it was a physical death but even more than that it was a spiritual death from Adam to God if you if you look here in your Bible you'll find that after after God dealt with him he never talked to Adam again up to that point, Adam was totally hooked up with God. I mean, he, th there, there was like a thought. I mean, it was just like they didn't have to sit there and talk about it a lot. He just had an intuitive knowledge of God. I mean, you think about naming all the, the, the animals, all the fishes, all the birds. I mean, he had this capacity God gave him. But after this particular time, he died spiritually. Now, some of you've been around the Bible a lot of times. You know, you know all the, you know what this amounts to. But, but see, after that, for a few thousand years, God could only speak to prophet, priests, and kings. That's it. He couldn't talk to you if you weren't a prophet, king, or priest. He couldn't talk to you. Why? Because you're spiritually dead. You're like an atom, just the way it is. Now, why do I want to go back and bring this up? Because it's it's important. To know why we want to renew our minds first of all we couldn't do it I mean they had the law they ha he had to give them the law and all that I won't get deep into that today but he had to give them that because he can't talk to them he can't convict them of sin uh, necessarily I guess uh, maybe there were some times that he was able to reach into hearts but he still had to do things through prophet priests and kings enough said about that when did we have op an opportunity to become alive spiritually. When was it? Because we're alive spiritually today. We can be anyway. When did we have that opportunity? When Jesus gave up his life. He said the temple curtain was rent from top to bottom and, bottom, and they tell me that sucker was thick, like four inches thick, and there's no man could have ever even touched that curtain. It just, it just dropped, uh, from top to bottom is what 40 feet or so up there I suppose I should know that but anyway it was at that point God was released to come into our hearts at that point there was a communication capability for who those that call upon the name of the Lord those that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ now you can go to church all your life you can get as religious as you want to doesn't do any of that you take the fanciest religions in the world, if they don't know Jesus as Lord and accept the fact he died for them, they, can't, they, don't ha they don't have that. They don't have it. So don't get jealous of people that like a lot of ritual. They may not know Jesus like you, I do, others. It's no secret, and it's easy. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, saved from what? Well, actually, just a little bit of review, but it's, I don't want to go there. I want to go to Mark 4. Actually, what are they saved from? Well, they're saved, number one, from separation from God. 
the Spirit of God moves in. If you don't know this already, we're a three-part being. Whether this may be review or not, we're a three-part being. We're a spirit being. We're created in His likeness. Well, to be like God, you'd have to be what? A spirit, would you not? So you're a spirit. You have a soul. He gave you a soul, mind, will, and emotions. And He gave you a physical body. A lot of us been around a while. We've heard it many times. This this is like a, our earth suit. Because there'll be a day when the earth suit stays here, and well, I guess we get trans, you know, move, changed in the air in the rapture and so on. But if you think about that, then we are a spirit. But because of what Adam did, that spirit is dead. Now, if you don't believe it, after you you walk around sometime and you start running into people. And they say, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, you're not there to judge them, but check me out on this. Sometimes down in here, it's like, you just feel like dead for them. Again, we aren't judging people. But somehow they can say things, but down in here, the Holy Spirit is, is, is it giving you a witness that they even have a clue who he is. Why am I going there? I don't know, it doesn't matter, but, but it's important we understand this. We need to know this foundation to grow. When, when Jesus died, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit can now talk to our human spirit. And the very second you get born again, he's there to talk to you. Our job is to pull up and decide what he just told us. And we'll teach on spiritual growth as time goes on. <clears throat> but I wanted to go to Mark 4. We'll just go ahead and read this. Talked about the parable of the soils. And it says, again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in this teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30, some 60, some 100. And he said to them, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I say today, Who has ears to hear, here but he when he was alone those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable and he said to them to you has it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of god but to those who are outside all things come in parables okay who's on the outside now i understand that at this point in his teaching they weren't born again i understand that but he's getting them ready and he's sowing things into them but he said those on the outside which is today people that don't have the Spirit of God working in their life. Uh, everything comes in parables. They, don't, they won't understand it. But so that, seeing that they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now, verse 13 is very powerful. I want you to focus on it. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? When I look at this and I hear Jesus making that kind of a statement, I'm saying it's pretty, pretty seriously important that we get a hold of what he's 
wants to tell us here. So in verse 14, he said the sower sows what? The word. The word. What's the word? The Bible, the word of God. So the sower now sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Who comes immediately? Satan. The enemy. He's our enemy. He doesn't want you to get a hold of this. He'll fight you <laughs> not to get a hold of this. And these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, and when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You know, you get all fired up, you walk out of here, and you run into your best friend, and you say, man, I heard something this morning. You, you need to hear about this. Uh, well, what is what is it about? Well, it's about the word of God. Oh, phooey, you know, phooey, you know. That's just religious stuff. Okay, that's stony ground. If there's no dig, and you watch people, and they'll crumble right there. They'll fold up right there. That's it. I, I want to be more accepted by my friends. <laughs> okay, so that's a stony ground. Let's keep, continue on. In eight, verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And that by no means means you're not supposed to prosper. God wants you to prosper. But it's the deceitfulness of riches, chasing after them. You know, as we say, walk in God's concepts and he'll make sure that the wealth comes at whatever level you desire. In verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. In verse 21, is a lamp brought to be under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor anything kept secret that should not come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, moving into this verse, 24. And he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, much more will be given. He's talking about revelation knowledge. He's saying here, the amount of seed that you sow, the amount of word that you put into your life, will determine how much revelation knowledge begins to fire you up and begin to build your, build your, build your soulish man. I mean, to begin to think like God, as we talked about in the opening things about Romans. It's the amount of word that you put into them. And for whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And, of course, let's talk about revelation. But revelation also leads to the power of the gospel. You know, for one thing, you can see somebody walking in that power and, and taking authority over certain things. And then you might see somebody else try it. It's kind of like uh, the guys there. They wanted to copy Paul, and they, they saw this, this demon, and they said, I assure you in the name of Jesus that Paul talked about. And the demon turned around and said, I know Jesus, and I won't know Paul, but I don't know you. And he ripped their clothes off. Seven sons of Sceva, I guess that's what they're called. I thought, that's a funny story. But see, they didn't know Jesus, but they were trying to grab that word and and go be some kind of a hero and cast out that devil. 
Well, since they didn't have any word in their heart to anchor them, the devil knew it, right? Kick, kick their fannies. Rip their clothes off is what it really said. <laughs> so whoever has to him more will be given. What's that mean? It's like an appetite. You know, if you see these guys that get into these world eating contests, I mean, it, it's terrible. I mean, just watching them just about makes you want to shut the TV off if you ever see it. Because they practice. What do they practice? Gorging. I mean, how many hot dogs can you eat in, eat in 10 minutes? Well, they practice practice pretty quick you know they can put a lot of food down in there just by creating that appetite well it's probably a funny illustration but it's kind of that way with the word of God we can't get we can't get too much of the word but the more that goes in the more we think about it in fact it says that here well with the measure that you use it will be measured to you and, and it also has to do with uh, the amount of time and study the meditation that you put into the word now let's continue on here there's a there's a few kickers in here yet this isn't the uh, this isn't the end of it in verse 26 he said the kingdom of god is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed would sprout and grow he himself does not know how brian you've gone out and run a drill or whatever for several crops back there in your dad's place. Have you ever tried to figure out how, how it grows? No. I mean, did you ever dig it up every day to see if it was growing? No, it, your dad does. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so we don't know how we don't know how this works. So now we're talking about sowing the word into our lives, aren't we? That's what we're talking, or Jesus was talking about this. We, we sow it into our lives. We sleep day and night, and the seed should sprout. We hope, you know, it, something's happening in there. For in 28, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and that, after that the full grain in the ear. And it's amazing. I mean, this time of the year you can hear the corn growing. You ever been down there, watch that, hear that corn? You can hear it pop. It'll grow inches every day in, that, in Nebraska anyway, and Iowa and wherever else. Verse 29, but when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest is, has come. Now, verse 30, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture? Verse 31, it's like a mustard seed which when it is sown in the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs, shoots out large branches so the birds of the air may nest under its shade. In your daily life, unless you uh, hide under a blanket all day long, you hear thousands of words, thousands of words. You hear music on the radio. You've got news on the TV. You've got all these words coming at you all day long. If you counted them up, I don't know how many words an average person that doesn't hide under the bed would hear in a day. Well, what this is saying is you put a little bit of word in there every day, and whether you can tell it or not, it begins to grow. You can't see it. 
And it's not like it's a one-day deal. It's not instant word anymore. <laughs> it never was. It's not like instant. You just add water and go to one hot sermon and, and all of a sudden you're different. No, it's not that way. See, when we get born again, you know, there's this old gospel song that says, uh, my, hand, my hands are, whatever, my hands are new, my feet are new, I'm all brand new. Well, that's not true. You get born again, you've got a spirit man that's born again. It's now talking to God. It's a relationship with God. But your mind is still the same. That's what Romans 12, it's still the same. It's not any different than it was the day before you got saved. We are obligated, if we want to move ahead with the Lord, we're obligated to begin to take this word in at some level. And of course, uh, I could say that, how do you say things and not get in trouble at all, but you can see even, even if you're going to churches that don't really put out any teaching, any word, uh, they don't get, send you home with much to work with. You know, uh, particularly some of the highly uh, uh, emotional, manipulative sermons that you can hear. I mean, people go in there and they just, you get people crying and they're laughing and they're just, boy, they're excited and they walk out of there and it's like all they got was emotion. Honestly, as far as ministry, it takes teaching ministries to get us going. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't survive very long if I hadn't been able to feed on some, a lot of stuff over the years. Uh, that emotional stuff never did appeal to me. All it does is, is I don't know what it did, but it, it don't, you don't grow. When you're talking about the word of God going in you, it ha that's it. And of course, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of, word of God. You know these scriptures probably. But it said, be careful what we hear. You can hear bad preaching too. You can have preaching just destroy your faith. And it can happen with one sermon. I guess I know what I'm talking about there. I, I was thankful to get anchored in some of this before I ran into some of these sermons that came later. Because at some point you get, you get to a place where they can't talk you out of it anymore. It's like if somebody says, uh, healing is not for today. Well, they should have told me that 37 years ago before I saw my first miracle or before God raised her up, that daughter of mine and Sandy's and mine, before, before we prayed for her. Then she could have gone on to heaven at that time. And she's not the only one. And it's on demand. Expect, expect things to happen. Why? This word gets in you and it's in there. It's anchored. Let's continue on here because something jumped out at me. <laughs> we, we, we talked about this a little bit Wednesday night and I looked at this and you know how all of a sudden you, you've seen, you've been reading a scripture for years and all of a sudden there's something just, I'm, I'll share it with you. You'll see it. Maybe you saw it already. Maybe I'm months behind you guys or years. I don't know. But in verse 33, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all the things to the, dis the disciples. I'm going to jump down to verse 40 first. In verse 39, of course, he arose. You know, he was sleeping in the boat and so on. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, this isn't a separate thought. He just got done telling them how they needed to get some faith. 
I've just got done telling you how you get some faith. You sow the word in there. Now let's go back up to verse 35. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to him, let's cross over to the other side. Sounds like he was talking about the water, wasn't he? What I saw was he wants you and I to cross over from this soulish thinking into walking with him in the spirit. He wants us to come out of this no faith, hoping, guessing, whatever. He wants, and he, he basically was pretty cranky with him. He wanted to move on. Do you see that? Do you see it like I saw it? He wanted to move on. I want to move on. How many want to move on? See, we have the word to move us on. And it'll be just like that corn. It'll be first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. We're talking about as it's planted into our lives. Not only do we start to transform, something happens in us. You know, it's, it's, like, it's, so, it's like we don't see it. We can't see it. And that's one of the ways your mind will kind of fight with you. Because you'll want these things. You start sowing the word. You start listening to faith, some faith teaching, something like this. Well, you want it to happen right away. And things will happen right away because you have the full power of heaven just with your mouth. You speak the word. You speak the name of Jesus. You've got some power available. But the thing that happens over a period of time is there's a consistency and a, and a persistence. Let's slip back over to Romans 12 now. Now, Romans 12, it started out here again. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, a decisive dedication of your bodies. And as we talked before, you know, oh, but, I'm sorry, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Amplified Bible is kind of cool in that area. Uh, Sandy, do you have that Amplified that I could read out of it, please? Okay, verse 2 in the Amplified. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. See, in the... When you think about the power of God and, the, and, and the, the power of heaven, this age does seem kind of superficial. I mean, the reality seems to slip a little bit because we're seeing into the future. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, its new attitude, so that you may prove, and I love this, you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Why was I so maybe infatuated with that scripture a long time ago? Well, because the first part of that is his set will. His will that you be healed, his will that you be saved, delivered, all those things. A lot of things that are his perfect will. He wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul is prosper. But then that brings out even that that's good and acceptable and perfect for you. Well, what does that tell you? It tells you there's another level personally for you. As you renew your mind and you stay in this, and, and I don't know, uh, 
something became obvious to me many years ago. If you're in this word all the time and just kind of letting the Lord lead you around by the Holy Spirit, you're going to find yourself concentrating on certain areas of the Word of God. And somebody will say, well, pray for me that I know the will of God. Well, I can do that. But you know what? A constant taking in of this powerful Word, slowly he'll begin to build a Word thing. And all of, I mean, it's like over years, you'll know you're, call, you're calling because he'll build something in there. I mean, there's a lot of things to preach about teach about there's a lot of things and God needs every member he needs every one of those gifts my preparations gets a little obvious after a while but yours may be different and what that does it builds a word base into your life now maybe that's too much work I don't know <laughs> but it's not too much work if you really want to go on and find out what your gifting really is it's all it's there he'll build that into you through the renewing of our mind. We don't have to work at it. What do we have to do? Put it in every day? Just let it grow, let it grow, add some water to it, keep feeding on some things. And, uh, and then next thing you know, a few months, a few years, everything becomes different. You have a different attitude when you do, when you do end into a tough place and you did something that you couldn't get done five years ago, all of a sudden, darkness moves out of your way and you say wow that's funny uh, not funny but that's something something I couldn't do last year all of a sudden it's working for me right it's like you know training a horse go out every day training a horse and first few times maybe a few weeks maybe there's a little response but then all of a sudden that animal takes on a whole different level why something you invested in every day same with the Word of God praise God so what the Lord wants, He wants us to think like Him. But He wants us to walk in our gifts. He wants us to excel in what He's planted in us. And every one of you that steps up like this, you've got things in your heart that's so vital to the Lord and to people. It's so vital. That's why He wants us to step out and it's important. God wants us to do something that's very, very important. What creates importance? Well, just, uh, just today. Just today. I read another obituary about a high school friend of mine. And I know where his life went. It wasn't good. But at the same time, I don't know where he's at today. But I'm sorry that I don't know where he's at today. I really am. Because at one time I was very close to him. He's a little, little younger than I. His, his uh, brother and I were best friends, and so he was like a little brother to me a long time ago. His life went south through the years and all that, but uh, I'm sorry, I don't know where he's at. So I guess the bottom line with us is souls, not with us, but the Lord. He wants, he wants everybody he can get into his kingdom. Everybody. He wants everybody. And every time you, uh, it's bothered me quite a bit. I seem like more so lately, because I read the obituaries every day, having grown up in this country and know a lot of people. Uh, I just want to see who's, who's in there. 
Well, maybe that's a negative, but I don't think so. Every morning I, I do it. It just takes me about two minutes and I, I, I can see it, but I can't help but wonder, what could I have done? What should I be doing? But the one thing I do know is that when we step up the plate, God steps up with us. We had a gentleman here came in from where Nevada to see us on a business thing the other day, sat here on the patio, and he had some things he wanted to share with us. He was referred by a good friend of mine. That's why we invited him to have coffee with us and talk. And he's a wonderful man, very brilliant man. But as we talked, it became very obvious to me that he didn't really know Jesus. So with all this high-level communication before it's over, guess what I did? I told him my story. So you drove a few hundred miles to tell me about what you have. Now I'm, you're here, I want you to know what I have. Because when you do that, now you're in control of the conversation and you don't know. But you do know one thing. You just planted a seed in the man's life. He left and, and Sandy and I talked about it. I said, I'm just, I'm sad, he's a great guy. He doesn't have what we have. He doesn't have the peace that we have. So what do we do? We sowed a seed. We have an opportunity every day to sow a seed into somebody's life. To take guts? Not really. Just takes doing it. If you just understand this, when you step out, the Spirit of God goes with you. He's ahead of you. <laughs> He's with you. He's your rear guard. The Bible talks a lot about the Spirit of God. He's your friend. And if you have the boldness, you don't have to get religious. You don't have to memorize this Bible. You just have a half to heart that knows that if you say one thing, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Hey, I didn't necessarily lead him to the Lord, but guess what? The seed was sown. That's all we have to do is sow the seed. God will grow it up, amen? Unless he tells us to go ahead, you know, and share more, share deeper. Well, I believe that's what the Lord put in my heart for today. I believe these things are, are very important to our lives. And they're not only, you know, I've heard it say, well, you know, why do you talk so much about faith or whatever? And it's like a guy said, you can't get saved without faith. You can't get healed without faith. You can't del get delivered without faith. And, and actually, you can, you can give away tons of money, but if, if you don't put your faith with it when you do, maybe, you won't, maybe that return won't come as well as you want it to be. Faith is very vital. However you grow it, however you do it, nurture it. And I'm not going into Sermon 2 right now, but just encourage you to know why the Lord has me concentrate in some of these, because we're kind of new, we've come together. It's like foundation is so important uh, to build on. Get us all a new start. Some of you have been around a long time. You've heard all the sermons, all the cliches. You've heard, all, you've heard it all. So maybe now we can calm down and harvest that, you know. Because all that stuff is sown in there. And if it's just a matter of, of igniting that seed bed that's in there, that's possible, you know. That word's in there. It can be, it can be brought up.